0: morning also from my side. It's good to be back in Strobel after 15 Mm -hmm. years. Despite the weather it's as beautiful as it ever was. Thanks for the transition. What I want to present is something that relates to two uh, political phenomena which are usually regarded as uh, challenges if not threats to our societies. First Populist radical right, right wing populists, parties like FPÖ, AfD, or Lega, and second, climate change. For obvious reasons, these two issues are usually studied separately, but I do contend that it absolutely makes sense given some of the debates in our contemporary societies in Europe and elsewhere, and given the data that Sylvia showed on public science skepticism. Uh, Because of that, it's important to also look at uh, right-wing populism and climate policy uh, in a combined way. And that's basically the premise of my talk. Eight years ago, in 2015, in the year of the so-called refugee crisis, we would, or many would, have uh, understood populist radical right parties almost exclusively as anti-immigration mobilization even if they also campaigned on other issues back then, for example, European integration or law and order, uh, these parties usually linked those other topics to immigration. In the last couple of years, this has changed. The pandemic was a case in point, and so was the climate issue. Populist radical right parties mobilize on these issues without linking them primarily to immigration. And in order to illustrate how important uh, climate has become for many populist radical right parties, here are some examples from Western Europe, some campaign posters and ads. This is only for Western Europe, so for example Trump or Bolsonaro is not included here, but uh, for several parties climate strongly matters and I want to only single out one uh, ad here, the one in the upper center by Marine Le Pen, uh, she presents herself here as the candidate against the invasion of the wind turbines. And in a similar vein, another campaign poster, which I think is a very sophisticated piece of political propaganda, is this one by Alternative für Deutschland, the German right-wing populist party. Uh, so I looked at the program of the summer discourse, and I saw that tomorrow we will discuss uh, the Tower of Babel, a painting by Peter Brückel, and so I thought it couldn't hurt to also show you some piece of art history uh, this morning, slightly adapted or manipulated. Caspar David Friedrich, uh, Der Wanderer über dem Nebelmeer, Wanderer above the Sea of Fog, A key example of German Romanticism. And IFD says the painting is more romantic without wind power, romantischer, ohne Windkraft. Uh, Another example, an important one, I will later on explain why I will delve into the case of the AfD in particular and how this uh, opposition to wind power that Le Pen shows, also the AfD shows, relates to a conceptual point on climate skepticism that I want to make in my lecture, which brings me to the structure of my presentation. I want to make three key points. First, I want to discuss about conceptualization. How should we understand populist radical right parties' stances on climate change? Is it more than climate denialism? Uh, Sylvia already mentioned that there is not only one science skepticism, there's also not only one climate skepticism. Second, I want to talk about mobilization or party activism. Uh, how do populist radical right parties mobilize on climate change? Here I will delve into the crucial case of the Alternative for Deutschland, the AfD, in Germany. I live in Dresden, I work in Dresden, in eastern Germany, uh, in one of the strongholds of the AfD. And uh, there are many reasons why we should uh, look at this case in particular. But Thirdly and lastly, I also want to draw some broader conclusions uh, by looking at other developments in other countries uh, in order to provide some lessons for understanding the populist radical right challenge in the area of climate policy more broadly. So, on conceptualization, there's more than one uh, science skepticism and there's also one, uh, more than one climate skepticism. Uh, Several scholars, Ramsdorf for example, a very prominent climate scientist in Germany, uh, has distinguished between different elements of climate skepticism. First, trend skepticism, the question does climate change exist? Is it getting hotter? Yes or no? What about the trend? Second, attribution skepticism. If it gets hotter, who is to blame? These are two of four features. I want to briefly look at the two in particular before I go on. And I want to look at uh, four quite prominent populist radical right parties in Europe, and here we already see that there is some important variation among them. Populist radical right parties do not necessarily deny global warming as a trend, as such. They are not denying that it's getting hotter. Their challenge is more complex. Than that. If you look at uh, the Freedom Party of Austria, the Alternative for Germany, Fidesz in Hungary, and uh, Fratelli Italia in Italy, we see that all of the four parties accept the trend of global warming. They acknowledge, uh, more or less strongly, more or less explicitly, that it's getting warmer. However, when it comes to attribution skepticism, what are the reasons for the rise in temperature, Uh, these parties vary. Uh, The Freedom Party, we can discuss about it uh, later, if you will, is a a blurry case, but increasingly rather denialist when it comes to acknowledging that uh, human activity, industrialization, is the key factor for the temperature increase. In Germany, the IFD is a prime example of a clear denialist position, they reject Uh, the scientific finding that human activity causes climate change. In Hungary and Italy, however, uh, Fidesz and Fratelli both uh, accept that climate change has been brought about by human activity. So there is some variation already on these two first features that I mentioned. And there are also two other features. And they are key uh, when thinking about how the populist radical right challenge matters to uh, the debate about climate change. Third, it's impact skepticism. Are the consequences of climate change dangerous? And here you already see that even parties that acknowledge that climate change is human-made, many of them uh, would say, yeah, but the consequences, we shouldn't uh, exaggerate them. Climate hysteria as a key word. And fourth, importantly, process skepticism. How should we assess climate policy? This is also crucial when looking at current uh, conflicts about climate change. Uh, Usually, the political process is not about the abstract question of trend and attribution. Does it exist, who is to blame, but what should we do? Uh, what's the process of tackling climate change, from heat pumps to wind power, etc. And here is where the populist radical right challenge really matters. The literature calls this climate obstruction. Uh, populist radical right parties, even if they acknowledge uh, human-made climate change, or at least the trend of global warming, they have developed sophisticated strategies to mobilize against specific climate, and energy policies. From international treaties to local infrastructure projects. That's important also for these parties to reach out. Sylvia already showed for Austria that about 20% of the population rejects uh, human attribution to global warming. This is less, for example, than the Freedom Party currently polls. And also in Germany, uh, only every second IFD supporter thinks that climate change is not at all human driven. So it makes sense for these parties to not only focus on the abstract question, but about the more concrete controversies, which they usually do. And to give uh, or to delve into a prominent example in this context, I want to focus on uh, Alternative für Deutschland, Alternative for Germany. Why? Not mainly because I live there but because there are uh, conceptual reasons, theoretical reasons, why it's uh, important to look at the IFD in this context. Uh, In Germany, public salience for the climate issue is uh, very high. This is Eurobarometer data on what are the two most pressing conflicts or issues in your country. The bold line is Germany, and it shows that uh, the share of people that refer to climate change or the environment as a pressing issue is uh, significantly above the average of the EU 15 and of the EU, back then, 28. uh, And this already since a decade or so. So for the German public, environmental issues matter in particular. And the AFD has quickly realized this. In contrast to the Freedom Party in Austria, the AFD is a very young populist radical right party which was only founded 10 years ago in 2013. So when I was in Strobel for the first time, the AfD didn't even exist. And uh, now it exists and it's uh, thriving. It has uh, 20% of the vote according to current poll numbers. And uh, they're not only an anti-immigration party, but they have strongly focused on the climate issue. The gentleman over here is Alexander Gauland, one of the key figures inside the party, uh, founder of the party, and already in 2019, he said that after the Eurozone politics, which mattered for the AfD in 2013, 2014, 2015, and migration, which mattered at least since 2015 to them, migration crisis, climate needs to be the third major topic for the party. So quite a strong statement that shows how these uh, politicians Uh, strategically adapt to what is publicly salient. And the point here is that climate policy for the IFD, and for some other parties too, but in particular for the IFD, is not something they have only focused on uh, since last year uh, because of the energy debate in the context of uh, Russia's full-scale war against Ukraine. Also, not since only 2019, when the Fridays for Future mobilization peaked. Already in 2013, fi- 14, 15, you uh, can see several documents where the IFD focused on the climate issue and uh, showed uh, several instances of climate skepticism. There's broad activity during electoral campaigns on the climate issue. For example, at the last general election in Germany in 2021. Uh, If you went to the countryside in southern Brandenburg or in the Hunsrück in western Germany, uh, you saw a very large amount of AfD campaign posters that are explicitly directed uh, against wind turbines, for example. And apart from electoral campaigns, the party is also quite active in Parliament on the issue. Here is a figure that shows uh, what words appear in the parliamentary motions of the AfD in the Bundestag. Uh, They were voted into the Bundestag only in 2017 for the first time, and uh, more than 30 uh, motions of the AfD in the Bundestag uh, refer to the immigration issue, but also more than 25 refer to the climate issue. Crime and gender, much less. And since 21, (laughs) since the last election, the picture has even changed more drastically. Uh, more IFD emotions in the Bundestag refer to the climate issue than to immigration. But uh, organized climate skepticism uh, doesn't only take place inside the party, the party also tries to mobilize on the issue by reaching out through, uh, to civil society. On the very left, uh, you see a picture of an RFD politician, uh, again against wind power, who claims that the party supports local citizen protests against wind turbines. And this is true. Some AfD branches actively try to reach out to connect to local protesters against wind power. And speaking of science skepticism, it's quite interesting that in the political conflict over wind power, uh, sometimes the party actually refers positively to science, but in a very highly and selective way. When it comes to wind turbines, uh, we know that they have a negative effect on bird habitat, for example, and also on pets. And on bats. So uh, the IFD, in their campaigning, sometimes refers to these studies. Uh, So it's not like they completely reject science as such, but they try to strategically and selectively use science whenever it fits their purposes. The same is true for uh, climate, denialist, climate denialist think tank in Germany. It's called IKE, the European Institute for Climate and Energy. And one of the key points of IKE is to propagate a so-called dual fluid reactor, so a modern version of a nuclear reactor that uh, would be able to uh, produce clean energy, something that only exists on paper and has never been successfully built. But Eike refers to studies on this type of reactor in order to uh, say that there is a long-term solution, but we shouldn't worry too much about short-term political measures. Also the last example, Die Kere, is a regular far-right magazine on the environment, which is published four times a year in Germany. Also this magazine has an intellectual, uh, or they want to appear intellectually, discussing climate questions and the environment. So when the party mobilizes, or when the far right more generally mobilizes on climate, it's not that it uh, works without references to science, but it works with highly selective and biased references to science. Another example is this poster Uh, by the IFD, where the party says that over 500 scientists clarify climate emergency is only in your heads. And this is a reference to a petition by scientists uh, who propagated climate-skeptical perspectives, but crucially, those scientists had scientific educations, many of them were professors, but they were not climate scientists. They had often other uh, natural scientific uh, qualifications, but they were not at all uh, established scholars in climate science. So another reference, a biased one, selective one, to science, cherry-picking. And the last post I want to show is because of another important rhetorical trope that goes beyond the delegitimization of science. Uh, the AfD, but also the Freedom Party in Austria, and many populist radical right parties in Western Europe, increasingly refer to the term Ökodiktatur, dictatorship, uh, where they portray climate policy as highly illegitimate and uh, refer to climate policy as uh, totalitarian or uh, anti-democratic, another important uh, discursive element of IFD mobilisation on climate change. My last point on the party is, does it matter for them to does the party electorally benefit from climate-related mobilization? So from, uh, or when it comes to the topic of immigration, we know that populist radical right parties perform better when immigration is a publicly more relevant issue. Uh, What about climate change? Uh, I conducted quite many interviews with AFD politicians and other far-right activists, and many of them were quite certain that the, topic would pay off for them. What a colleague and I did in a study was to uh, see if that's actually the case. First we, uh, how can I, what's the button for the, things? <laughs> First we uh, studied uh, survey data, so this is the social uh, sustainability parameter from uh, the Potsdam Institute for Climate Science. And what we did here was to look at uh, two items: support for renewable energy and support for wind energy, and look whether uh, these uh, perspectives on these issues actually predict party support. And one sees cl- quite clearly: uh, the more one supports renewable in- energy, the least likely one is to sympathize with IFD. And the same is true for support for wind energy: uh, the more someone supports wind energy, the least likely is he or she supportive of. AFD. So on the individual level, according to survey data, there's a clear connection. But what about actual voting results? And in order to study this, uh, we collected data on all new wind turbines that were built since 2013, the foundation of AFD, until 2019, the year before the corona pandemic. We collected data on uh, all of Germany. Uh, I think it's about seven or 8,000 wind turbines. And the gray spot are all municipalities where new wind turbines were constructed in this uh, period of time. And what our results show is that uh, in municipalities with new wind turbines, the IFD uh, fares electorally better, which indicates that the global conflict on climate change has important local consequences that translate into electoral results. Uh, In municipalities with more wind turbines, the IFD is significantly stronger at the ballot. This effect is only true for the IFD and, interestingly, also for the Greens, the biggest supporter of wind turbines. So, for electoral results, controversy over climate matters. I want to conclude with some broader debates, uh, potential future trends that I See also beyond Germany. Uh, first of all, the literature, literature has often established that climate change or the environment matters more for the public and for the parties in Northwestern Europe and less so in Southern Europe, where, for example, uh, no green parties uh, were or are established in Parliament. Recent developments, for example at the Spanish election however, uh, taught us that parties like VOX uh, increasingly focus on environmental and climate issues too. Another potential development that I see might be the end of attribution skepticism. Uh, To what extent can populist radical right parties maintain their denial of human-made climate change over the long run if effects get ever more obvious, if glacial meltdown gets ever more obvious, uh, if Uh, extreme weather events get ever more frequent, to what extent can populist radical right parties who try to seek voters effectively deny that uh, human activity causes global warming? That might change in the middle term, but their opposition to concrete climate policies, uh, process skepticism might not. I want to end with uh, questions on whether or not distances matter. Sylvia already showed that it's a minority uh, that is climate denialist among the broader public. Populist radical right parties in many countries are as strong or stronger than they ever have been in the last couple of decades, but still, usually, they are a minority. So why should we care? What's the impact of populist radical right parties on climate change? Is there such a thing as climate obstruction? And to show only a point to some prominent examples. First, uh, sometimes populist radical right actors do govern. And one of the first actions of Donald Trump was to withdraw from the UN Paris Agreement 2015. Then, even when they are in opposition, populist radical right parties can be influential. Often we talk about whether or not populist radical right parties have influenced mainstream parties in their stances on immigration. And many scholars assume that mainstream parties have become more restrictive on immigration because of the challenge of the populist radical right. The same process might happen in the case of uh, climate skepticism. And when it comes to wind power, for example, in Germany at regional campaigns, many mainstream parties have become ever more silent about wind power (laughs) Uh, because of IFD's strong mobilization about the issue. So there might be a contagion effect here. And lastly, to point to another study, there are some scholars who also say that uh, government participation of populist radical right parties correlates with the short-time rise of CO2 emissions. So there are several indicators that climate obstruction is a thing and their mobilization matters. Thanks a lot for the attention. I look forward to any questions.
1: Thank you very much for those two very intriguing and very rich uh, presentations. I assume there are a lot of questions in the room, but maybe I can kick off with one general question to both of you. Um, If I understand correctly, or if I would try to um, summarize the two talks. um, There is not the one type of skepticism out there, but there is actually a field of, a a pattern of different types of skepticism. Not only in the type of the attitude it talks to, there is skepticism, but there is also more ignorance, there is more denialism, which, so it's more of a spectrum if I understand correctly. But then there is also a topical form of skepticism, climate skepticism versus gen- genetic modified um, uh, products uh, skepticism and so on and so on, vaccine skepticism of course. Um, what what does this actually mean for any kind of um, uh, is it maybe I ask it differently? Is it even worthwhile then to talk about skepticism or shouldn't we more focus on these different areas uh, is it is it make does it make sense to see this as an umbrella term? Is this umbrella term even justified sir while you answer, I would start collecting questions actually from the
0: Yeah, I think this is a very good question. And uh, my answer is uh, probably to the extent that I say, it would be worldwide to differentiate. Because uh, it's important what we're talking about. And also, if we're ever thinking about remedies, we would need to know what to do in order to go for a certain skepticism. I think, but Manes will talk about it later himself, but I think this shows also when you want to do something with regards to political stakeholders and how you talk to voters and want to get uh, into the voter's mind, it's important that you can address them directly on what actually makes them skeptical. And therefore I would say, yes, talking just about skepticism is probably a very nice headline but is not helping us at all. Also thanks from my side for the question. I very much agree that it's important to differentiate uh, in the area of climate because I think it's unrealistic to fully get rid of climate denialism uh, meaning uh, of opinions that or individuals that uh, deny the trend of global warming or even human attribution. Uh, There's also always a diversity of opinion, and this is a fringe opinion. But the more widespread one is uh, process skepticism. So dissatisfaction with concrete policies and their quality and whether they make sense or not. And this is the biggest challenge because this goes way beyond the supporters of populist radical right parties. And uh, this is the key responsibility for political stakeholders or political parties to address uh, improving the process uh, quite bluntly. For example, making climate policy uh, socially inclusive, uh, transparent and uh, based on participation.